Ooh, my voice cracked. That's good. Uh, <laughs> welcome to Venture Bros, a Venture Brothers podcast, uh, hosted by After the Hype. Although I'm going to get this out of the way, nice and quick. We might be hosted by After the Hype, but starting with this very episode, we have our own stream. Yay! 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 Uh, so if you want to actually just find us on any podcast service, any and all of them, uh, you can just search Venture Bros, and there we'll be. Um, and if you want to listen to us in the After the Hype stream, you can for this week and next week, and then we are leaving them behind. And they're all very mad at me, and I'm kidding because I am them. So, you know, I'm kind of okay with it. Uh, <laughs> Bye, After the Hype. Yeah, Bye. see you later, you fuckers. I mean, ow. <laughs> so mean to me. Uh, all right, so this week we are joined by the man with the plan to be a plan and not have a plan, Graham Mason. Um, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's me, I guess. <laughs> Is it right? That was me, right? Yeah, that was you. Uh, I was going to say oh, Graham God. T. Mason, but then I didn't. Ugh, anonymity. <laughs> Gone. Uh, and then Nick, the horrible Friedemann, can't be here because he's, you know, spending time with his wife, who doesn't live in the same city as him, and some fucking reason he decided to prioritize that. Bye, Nick! Yeah, what a bitch. <laughs> But we got, uh, as we introduced over the last two weeks, the man who's doing all of our research for us, Brock Holiday. He decided to jump on with us for the next two episodes. So, hi, Brock. How's it going, guys? Hey. Oh, it's going. Pretty excited. Uh, we're excited to have you. You were the first person to reach out when I uh, launched the show of like, hey, I love Venture Brothers. I want to help out in any way I can. It's like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I haven't been lucky enough to have a lot of people, you know, uh, to talk about it with really so i jumped at the first chance i had yeah no and uh we do love venture brothers but since it's your first episode uh let's get the the niceties out of the way uh how did you come to venture <laughs> brothers what was your first episode what do you love about it my first episode uh was probably Vic- victor echo november i believe okay uh, a friend of mine in high school had the dvds he's like hey man i think you love this check it out and then that's the one he started me on, and I've been hooked ever since. It's interesting. So, so far, the only person who found it on their own has been Graham. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I watched a lot of TV, so that was that. Was that. TV's the true parent. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> school was the Discovery Channel, so there we go. <laughs> school was the magic school bus. What's wrong with that? That's, that's also true. <laughs> and Bill Nye. Yeah. We can't forget Bill Nye. Ah, the science guy. <laughs> no, the other one. Bill Nye. Oh. The actor. <laughs> oh, boy. Okay, so today's episode, uh, again, we're going... Uh, I'll, I'm going to keep reiterating this because I've had some comments and stuff on our episodes about like, oh, I can't wait to the next one where this happens. Like, that, that's not the next one. Um, so we are going off the DVD order, which is considered the official order by most nerds out there. So we are agreeing with you and following you. And that brings us to uh, Home Insecurity. Uh, if you go off the official, like, re- order, uh, the Hulu order, if you will, this is episode three. And if you do that, it makes virtually no sense. Uh, this is one of the ones I think really does make sense to play later in the season than it does early in the season. Um, but we'll get into that in a little bit. Uh Brock, do you want to take the honors and break down what happens in the episode? Yeah, uh, I guess the quick version of it would be uh, the very beginning, which is probably my favorite uh, my favorite character of Girl Hitler, <laughs> which <laughs> when you mess with the girl, get the Hitler is top five lines from that show all time for me. Uh, yeah, so Baron Underbite's in a meeting with Girl Hitler, K-1, 
Catclops and Manicate Ball. He informs them that they've all betrayed him and proceeds to use Tiger Bomb to blow them up. Then he talks about how he has one enemy left of Underland, and it's Dr. Venture. Brock goes on his, uh, I guess, this is a sabbatical, and uh, meets Steve Summers and Bigfoot. And while all that's going on, we have the introduction of Gardo. Does that stand for something? Uh, yep, probably. I believe it's the uh, reply, <laughs> the, the reply Dr. Venture gives in the episode. <laughs> so, yeah, that, that's my quick recap that I had. Sorry. Okay. No, no worries. Uh... So, quick and out of the way, like, this is, for me, it's not my favorite episode of the first season. It's probably, like, when I think of the first season, not even really one that comes to mind. But every time I watch it, it has some yeah. of my favorite lines, and it's a joke a second, and I love it. I just don't ever really think about it. Does that make sense? Totally. Yeah, definitely this is one of the, like, more overlooked episodes. Yeah, uh, when I was doing research for it, I didn't realize how dense this episode is with characters, story arcs, and how much it impacts the show and into the second season as well. Oh, yeah, it's insane how much is in this one episode that I really kind of don't ever remember beyond the Sasquatch plotline. <laughs> and, like, I just... Which I is love... the best plotline of the episode. Oh, but... I could have watched the entire 22 minutes of just that and been totally yes. fine. <laughs> Absolutely. But it's, like, a, it's funny because that... That plotline comes back, the henchmen all, like, this is, like, a really good introduction, although they've been introduced a few times, but this is a really great, like, this is what the henchmen are and what they do. Like, they have, like, their union rules, they have, you know, they they just kind of, they are jobs to them. Like, some people really like it, but for the most time it's just like, yeah, you know, the plant shut down, there wasn't a lot of work for me, so here I am, and, um... And then it's the first time we see the panic room, like, there's so many just, like, staples that are set up in this one episode and it's kind of fascinating to kind of go through and start like picking apart and pulling things out and as great as all is all i could just watch you know sasquatch and steve summers for the whole episode <laughs> yeah this is the, the first episode where they kind of have brock as a celebrity among the military community too right i believe so yes so yeah. like and they just kind of what i love about the show is that's just kind of put in there they don't build it up it's just a few lines and you just accept it that brock is this you know big hero in the community and it's just so subtle and well done it's one of the big reasons you know the show you can always go back to it well and I, I just i love the way they do it like it's just like who was that brock fucking samson <laughs> no way <laughs> dibs on a cigarette butt <laughs> <laughs> like it's just like, I just, I love just, yeah, just the way that the world treats Brock Sampson. Like, all the way up to the end of the episode, which, I mean, we're going to jump all around throughout this entire thing. But I just, yeah. I love when he's leaving. Like, because he's Brock Sampson, they're willing just to let him go, even though the whole reason the entire military is there is to capture Sasquatch and Steve Summers. But because they leave with Brock Sampson, it's just like, yep, see you later. <laughs> <laughs> That's one of my favorite moments of this entire episode. Oh, that whole quote, the, uh... That was, yeah. uh, was a shaved Bigfoot and Steve Summers in a wig made out of shaved Bigfoot. <laughs> the, the line following that of, uh, you didn't tell me Sasquatch was a dude. That's and another Sas one of my favorite. You're like, what? He doesn't have anything you haven't seen before. Sasquatch is something I haven't seen before. <laughs> that was one of those lines that when Nick and I were in college and working at the film cage... 
he and I would quote back and forth to each other. Like it was just one of those <laughs> things. It was just so damn funny, and like it made me laugh like every time. Even now, I've seen the episode yep. so many times, it still makes me laugh. But it's weird because that's really the only part that I remember about it. So I kind of want to jump into the yeah. other stuff in the episode because that's the stuff that I kind of forget, and it's still really, really good. Like specifically, like what Brock was saying earlier, and I'll let him talk more about it. But the opening of Baron Underbite, it's just. It sets up a villain that we don't really spend a lot of time with as the show progresses. Like, we really spend more time with Monarch than anybody else. But we do a really... Like, it's a really great intro to the character beyond Tag Seal, You're It, where you basically just see him as a way of, like, that's a guy, he'll be back later. Hey, look, he's buying Tiger Bomb. I wonder if that'll come back. <laughs> look, uh, his jaw comes off. <laughs> And they, they use manservant to kind of build him up in a really subtle way, too, where he talks about they don't have prisons in Underland. They, you know, <laughs> it's a death penalty for any law that's broken. So without Underbite doing anything, he's built up as this villain that you can I kind of fear, but maybe not based off his henchmen. <laughs> I mean, you can't fear anyone based off their henchmen. <laughs> like, none of them. <laughs> But I do love the henchmen. But I, 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 I love that opening because it feels very uh, like James Bondy and like like old school spy movie of like this crazy cast of characters that are all like super villains in their own right. But there's like one top super villain and like I just I love like the clearing the room out. Even though none of them die, they all come back. But um, yeah, <laughs> just the way that all plays out is so good. And like Catclops is just such a. Rid- ridiculous character just the design in general is like what the hell were they thinking like it's so good but honestly out of the entire room i i agree girl hitler is a standout amazing character but my favorite character of all of them will always be manic h ball because he's just so great graham do you have a favorite out of that room yeah i'm just trying to pick as you were talking i actually was going to say manic h ball was probably my least favorite but is good for just the those manic eight ball one-liners obviously <laughs> but yeah girl how you can hate I, manic I, eight ball he's so good it's just manic eight ball it's wrong <laughs> shake 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 <laughs> probably cat clops cat clops is pretty amazing yeah i think the the character design for that is just hilarious it's just one of those things where it's like what i honestly don't know how you get from a to b on that like all right we need a guy he's kind of a cyclops uh cats uh, make it work. Cat, <laughs> cat clops. Yeah, put the cat head in the center of his forehead. Done, basically. Yeah, done, done. That's good. Yeah. Um, I feel like he came up in the brick frog kind of brainstorming session. Yeah, they seem very similar in the <laughs> creation. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Um, other stuff that pops up this episode. I'm going off of Brock's notes here, which is fun while he's here. Uh, I love that the. Uh, I love the first time you see the boys, like, they're PJs. Like, that's such, like, an iconic look for both of them in the beginning of the show. Like, the the Spider-Man and Aquaman. Because every time they're in their PJs, they always wear the same thing. And, like, a lot of time they wear the same outfits, like, you'll see throughout the show. And it's not till later on they start changing episode to episode. But there's something about their incredibly childish pajamas that I just... It just... It makes... It adds another layer, layer to their already incredibly dorky character that I really enjoy. Yeah. I mean, it's they would definitely wear underoos. Like, if oh, these characters sure. were real people, yes, they would definitely wear them. And especially being Aquaman, which is probably the dorkiest one you could pick out <laughs> of all the superheroes. 
So, and I love Aquaman, but ah, oh, come on, man! Like I wouldn't even wear this. <laughs> <laughs> but there's there's something about like I I love that Dean goes to sleep in his hover boots. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about that. Like it's I just, sorry. Go ahead. His feet floating in bed before the uh, <laughs> yeah. the panic goes off. Oh God, it's so good. All right, so the the other thing that I really like in this episode. Uh, because it becomes such a staple moving forward is uh, the panic room. Mm. I I didn't realize this was the first episode that that was used in until I rewatched it uh, before I wrote this. And it's not even the first, I just, first episode's used in. It's the first time they've ever used it. Yeah. Like, I think that's even more... Because it's like constantly throughout the rest of the series, whenever somebody shows up, Brock just goes, get in the panic room. Like, it's just a like a not even like a discussion anymore. It's just what you do, and this is the first time, and it's the way they end up in the panic room isn't because Dr. Venture thinks he's about to get assassinated, it's not because the compound's been invaded, it's because he woke up and saw a spider and a scorpion and freaked out and (laughs) shut the entire compound down. (laughs) Which I find... I don't blame him. I I mean... (laughs) It'd be a horrifying way to wake up, sure, but had they not actually had two different groups of henchmen there to kill them, this is a way overreaction. I, this isn't necessarily Venture Brothers related, but because spiders are terrified him, defending Dr. Venture on this, uh, <laughs> when my girlfriend was probably seven months pregnant with our twins, and with twins, she's very, very pregnant. <laughs> I woke her up in the middle of the night, because she's, she's probably about five inches taller than me, because there was a spider on her ceiling, and I needed it dead, and I didn't want to touch it. So I woke her up when she was seven months pregnant to kill a spider for me. So I get the spider panic room <laughs> connection. Man, there's a spider that's... in my bedroom that my wife won't let me kill. It's been here for like two years. Yeah, I can't. We're not allowed to kill spiders or insects. We have to capture and release. So Catch and release? How... Yeah, the president doesn't like you. <laughs> topical uh (laughs) and we'll get out of politics real fast yes Um, please (laughs) uh one of the things yeah i mean i think we i think what you were saying about the the panic room is that it just what we've mentioned before and i will i'm sure we'll keep mentioning mentioning again is just it's another reference to dr venture this current dr ventures failures oh yeah his dad right they never they never needed to use the panic room beforehand um and so now this is just another moment of well this is going to be a regular thing now oh yeah if, if the original jonas venture had woken up and found a spider and a scorpion eat like fighting on his chest he would have eaten them like it wouldn't have been like a problem <laughs> <laughs> and, like, I just, yeah or at least captured them and like done some weird experiments on them and made oh. them cool Oh yeah, made or, them work for him. He would have turned them into jewelry and given them to Rusty's earrings. Like, there you <laughs> go, Rusty. Like, <laughs> it would never have been an issue. But like with Rusty at the helm, it's just like no, like everything sucks and we're just terrible at what we do. Although yep. in the next week's episode, he does actually create an invention that really works way too well. But uh, yeah. I'll leave that for next week because it's hysterical. <laughs> but I like that even when his stuff works, it works at a detriment. So like. So he creates the panic room, or if his dad made the panic room, they don't really ever say who made it. But outside the panic room, they have their new robot, which really, really hurts Helper's feelings. Poor Helper. Uh, (laughs) But he makes 
Gardo, the defense robot, and forgets to program in his family's faces, so everyone's an enemy and he wants to murder them. It's like, come the fuck on, man. Like, how bad are you at your job? He's like, well, I fell asleep. Like, Like, your kids would have died. Yes. Kids, clones, not sure yet, but still, they would have died. This version of them would have died. Oh, yeah. And it kind of... Sure. It kind of mirrors his insecurity at the beginning of the episode, too, where Brock, or, uh, Hank says he's the man of the house, and he immediately starts challenging him almost to a fight. <laughs> Forgot, and about there's this... <laughs> Forgot about that. You're a big and then man, Dean's huh? trying to break them up. <laughs> this family is falling apart. Brock's been gone for 30 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So, yeah, like we said in the beginning, this episode is dense like there is a lot to chew on in here um it it was almost overwhelming like i said doing research for it because it felt like it was a movie with as many different plot lines as there is going character development uh foreshadowing for later episodes not even in season one but like i said up into season two it's just impressive how much they can fit into scripts and make it work in these episodes and it's, I was watching it this morning while making pancakes for my wife, and I was like, you know, I honestly think this might be one of the best written episodes in the first season. Like, it's just, there's a joke a hmm. second, almost all of them land, and everything they set up comes back. Like, it is such a well-planned out episode, and it doesn't feel like it's just, uh, it's not like Iron Man 2, like, where it's just like, okay, so this is just set up for the Avengers, and I'm just kind of spinning my wheels here. Like, it's still a very entertaining good episode while setting so much up like it's such a like a tightrope they had to walk and i think they nailed it yeah, yeah. I, mean, I think they did a pretty good job i'd i'd still argue that tag sailorette was was better um that setting up a bunch of stuff introducing a lot of characters and having a joke every 30 seconds yeah um and i i but lo- this episode is definitely very solid um and does a lot like I, I agree that I love I love the intro, um, setting up with Underbite and all of that, and I love you know Underbite, uh, working with um, the Monarch later as well. But I just I don't I'm not in love with this episode as as much as Tag well, it. Well, here's where I'll, I'll go somewhat against you on that one. It's like I love Tag Don't get me wrong. I think it's one of the funniest episodes in the entire run of the show. But I feel like it wears its, like, setup on its sleeve a little bit more. Like, not in a bad way, but it's just, like, it kind of acknowledges that it's setting a lot of things up, and it does so in a comedic way. Whereas this one, I feel like it doesn't ever call out, like, hey, this is what we're setting up for the future of the show. It just does that, like, kind of low-key while making a very entertaining episode. So I'm not saying, like, one's better than the other. It's just I feel like I can appreciate that writing a little bit more in this one because this one wasn't as, like, like out in front on the nose yeah 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 no i agree i hear that i think this definitely did it while telling more of a story because tag sailorette does just introduce characters and like the episode really you could take that and put it pretty much anywhere um and fit it in but yeah this definitely feels like it has a place in time which is really odd why it was played out of order and is now in somewhere in the season one where it feels like it needs to have a very specific place. Yeah. Like, because you need to be, you need to know who some of the characters are before you watch the episode, but you 
definitely need this episode to introduce and show kind of how the world works a little bit more before you see other episodes in season one. So it's weird that that just kind of got screwed up <laughs> in actual development. Yeah, because I always like it when they they whenever they pull the curtain back a little bit on uh, like the guild of Cladmas tent. Like I always enjoy yeah. it. Like I always love it. And I feel like this one, without ever pulling in like the two like the call center henchmen guys. This is, like, one of the good ones where you actually see, like, oh, there are a lot of rules and regulations and, like, oh, I'm called the boss. And then they just, the two groups of henchmen just have to sit and wait to find out who gets to attempt to kill Dr. Venture. Like, it's, it's so good. And, like, I think that's part of my favorite thing in the entire episode is just, like, yeah, I have, uh, I have some beers over in the Monarch Mobile, you know, if you guys want to have some beers. And it's, like, it's such a great, like, like a great nice moment for the henchmen. <laughs> And I think even with um, the Monarch and Underbite, when they're talking, like, oh, all right, what does the guild have to say? Like, ha, ha, we're not going to call the guild. Yeah. <laughs> but it's, like, it's such an interesting, like, kind of throwaway line that it's, like, oh, what? Okay. But I get now that they're setting up this other thing that, okay, there's a guild of Calatomous intent and that there are rules in this thing. And this is how super villains interact and arch with each other which is like so outside of any sort of universe that we're familiar with yeah i think it's great and just the way that they they have to say hi to each other which is trying to murder each other (laughs) (laughs) okay okay we're done we're done is it over now (laughs) yeah it's over (laughs) i also predates sorry uh, oh go ahead sorry no no go ahead this predates any real Marvel universe building too, I almost feel like they were way ahead of the curve with the universe building, and I don't know if that was intentional or not for it to become what it did. But it's just amazing how, in terms of where uh, culture was going, like with superhero stuff, that they were so far ahead of the curve with this. Well, I yeah, just I mean, that like... was pretty fascinating. Well, it's fascinating because like, you can tell that they, they love things like Johnny Quest and they love like comics and that sort of stuff, where this sort of stuff has existed for years, but not so much in like TV shows and like and like what we have now, like it's just like commonplace. So it's really cool to see like they knew and like they knew way before every other people, like this sort of thing will catch on. And I think they knew early enough to know uh I think it was entirely intentional. I think this was one of those things where like if they let us keep going, this is where we wanna go. But we don't want to, like, quote-unquote, like, counter chickens before they hatch. Like, we want to make sure that, like, we can make what we can now and just set, like, plant the seeds to go there later. And I think episodes like this really kind of show that. I read an interview with Jackson Public today where they were talking about that, and a lot of the network execs didn't like the, uh, I think as they call it, the nerd jokes, that he they thought there's too much in there and that was going to go over people's heads. And he said, you know, with the way things are now, he it they kind of feel validated. Like, they were right. Like, people understood. <laughs> People got it, and, yeah. and I read that they didn't like that, and they didn't like uh, Billy and Pete, so they immediately put all three of those things more in the episodes because the network execs did not want them. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Yeah, it was the right call. <laughs> yeah. No, and it works. Uh, and it's great. I mean, it's not even... I don't think those are the thing. Those are the only things that make these episodes work or funny. It's I think there's so much there, and I think what yeah, I think what they did was right of like just pack so much in the episode that it's hilarious, and I think it yeah. gives like you were saying about you know world building and universe building and stuff like that. It gives the viewer 
more to look into and more to you know research and you know be involved i mean yeah here we are however many years later having a venture brothers podcast super excited of like oh my god you know i can't i forgot about this and this and how this ties into this thing and how did they know this in episode three that comes back and you know season six like this is incredible and and it's great like and it's now 14 years after this thing is aired so it aired in 2004 when 2018 now and they're in what season i always forget seven's coming up right six seven is up seven Yeah. yeah and it's like so season seven's coming up and we're still crazy excited about it yeah it's like yes they knew what they were doing and it's fantastic um, but we've been recording for a little while now, so I feel like we should move into our favorite moments here and then uh, say goodbye for this week's episode. Uh, Brock, what was your, your standout favorite moment of this episode? It's a small one, but when uh, Monarch's henchmen are talking to Underbites, and Underbites' henchman agrees to do what they ask, and he says, I will do it, but not because you said so. <laughs> I, I don't know. I use that line all the time, and nobody gets it, but it's just... One of those little lines I I just love so much in this episode. <laughs> it's such a good one. Graham, what about you? Um, we already mentioned it, but I'll, I'll reiterate. Uh, when Brock was leaving the his, his summer vacay with the Sasquatch and, and Steve Summers, you're like, dude, why, why, why did you let him go? What? It was just Brock and some vets. Dude, that was a shaved Sasquatch and an astronaut <laughs> Steve Summers in a wig made out of shaved Sasquatch. Just hilarious. It's so, it's so fucking good. Uh, because that's also my favorite moment, I will tick a different one just because I, I feel like I have to. And mine's going to be poor helper all upset that there's a new robot and making a stick and bundle to go on the road <laughs> and leave his family behind. So I just... Uh, I love Helper so much. It's a shame they kind of stopped using him. I understand there's only so much you can, so many jokes you can do with him, but yeah, he was so good. I think it's great. I, I forgot who it was too. I think it was Dean who was like, "Uh, well, maybe Helper saw a note that you were creating a new robot, and he got his feelings hurt and and ran away." And then Doctor Venture like had a moment of clarity of like, "Oh, yeah. Oh shit, no, that makes sense. That robot is sentient." <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man, and then the after credit stinger where he won't let him out of the panic room. <laughs> He's still mad at him. I said I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, it's so good. Uh, okay, so that'll bring today's episode to a close. We'll do a very quick round of plugs. Uh, be sure, if you're not on our stream, if you're on the Venture Brothers stream, to check out After the Hype, my other show. Uh, there are currently no new episodes coming up till probably the beginning of August because I am only recording this show while I have the newborn at home. Um, but in August we will start up again uh, and on there you'll find John and Graham every now and then and my wife Chewy and our friends Emily and then uh, every now and then our friend Sam will show up and it's a very fun show we break down movies uh, after the hype uh, so roughly about oh I get it yeah there it is uh, so roughly about six months after a movie has come out or any time after it hits Blu-ray we will talk about it and break it down and say why it's great or not great and you can find us, uh, you know, defending such gems as uh, Batman vs. Superman and condemning such gems as Force Awakens. And if you want to find out why we're right, <laughs> check us out. Uh, that's my entire plug. Brock, do you have anything you like to plug? Uh, not right now, but I'll definitely replug all your things. I uh, Just getting to know you guys through doing the research and stuff, I've had an absolute blast. And uh, I encourage anybody, everybody to check out anything you guys are doing. <laughs> well, thank you. Uh, Graham, anything to plug? No, 
like a band in the mid '90s on MTV. Uh, I am unplugged. <laughs> Please tell me you wrote that down. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't, but I definitely practiced that earlier. <laughs> Uh, and then for uh, Nick Freed the Man Friedman, uh, be sure to either pre-order Assassin's Creed Odyssey or play it when it comes out, or as according to Nick, don't and do whatever you want. But that is, <laughs> <laughs> but that does seem like a pretty cool game, and we're all very happy that he was able to work on it. So that's it for today. We will see you next week with uh, fuck. I can never pronounce this episode. How do you pronounce the name of the episode? The next week, uh, Ghosts of Saragasso. Saragasso. I believe that's correct. Yeah. Okay, yeah. so Ghost of Saragasso next week. Uh, thank you very much for listening, and bye! bye.